0: We'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Last time, I think, that we'll be saying Ephesians 3. I like that laugh, Sarah. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you never know with me, no. Ephesians chapter 3. This morning, we're continuing our study through the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at part 3, final part of the series of uh, messages here on the the final part of Ephesians chapter 3. We've been looking at Paul's response to the mystery. Uh, Our main text has been Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, and then in part 3 today, we're going to be focusing in on uh, the second half of verse 19 through verse 21, so the end of the chapter. And just to uh, help keep the context as we did last week, we're going to read, starting in verse 14, we're going to read all the way through verse 21. And so, uh, starting in verse 14... Paul says For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the rich of his riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I just feel like it's appropriate for us to just join Paul in that. Amen. We uh, spent time three weeks ago. We, we focused in on verses one through 13. We looked at Paul giving us insight about the mystery. I'm not gonna go, give... Um, Back a ground context into that, because we've we've done that the last couple of weeks. But um, in this final portion of chapter 3, as we've been looking at the last two weeks, Paul's bringing now this heavily doctrinal section of his letter uh, to a close. It's not the end. Like, the amen is not like, and then he forgot that he had more to say. Right? Like, oh, wait, but there's more. <laughs> uh, no, this is it's like the culmination of Paul is... Laying this foundation, like a right understanding for right living, right? Like we're learning to sit so then we can learn to walk. Because now it's going to go from all this deep theology and who God is and who we are in Christ and what, what the Lord has done in us and is doing in us to, to really practical, sort of like now live it. Like now with that, this is what then we're supposed to be doing. This is what God is requiring of us. And so it's going from, um, from calling to conduct. It's going from, from, from sitting to walking. It's going from, from uh, theology to now the practical sort of outflow of that. Because if it's just theology for theology's sake and it doesn't transform our living, something's off something's wrong, there's a disconnect somewhere in us, if if the things of God are not impacting how I'm seeing other people, or responding to things, or loving people, or being about the kingdom of God, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then my priorities are off, your priorities are off, there's there's some repentance maybe that's necessary, maybe even like we looked at uh, last week with the, the letter that John was given from Jesus to give to the church of, of Ephesus 30 years later, guys, you got a lot of great things going on and you got the right theology and you're standing for truth, but you don't, you don't have, the, the love of Christ is no longer the motivating factor of your life. You've left your first love. And God forbid that this good starting point of the church of Ephesus would be something that we ever drift away from, right? We want to stay here. (laughs) We want to stay here. We don't want Jesus to be going, you guys, this is great. I feel like, what a horrible thing to read. Jesus saying, I have something against you. Oh Lord, we don't want that. (laughs) Keep us here, keep us here. So Paul's really laying this great foundation for us. He's been uh, sharing this amazing prayer of what he wants the Father to do in our lives. And these things, again, just they're internal. It's 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 an internal spiritual work that Paul is praying for. He's not praying for external things because he knows if God's got a hold of us inwardly, if if the Spirit of God's moving in us spiritually, in our, in our spirit, our hearts, the, the core of who we are, there's going to be an outflow. Things are going to change. And so he's praying for that predominantly. We've been seeing how there's f- four parts, really, to Paul's prayer in verses 16 through 19. And, and how each one of them builds upon the, the one before it some of uh, some scholars compare it sort of like to a, to a stepladder or maybe even to like a pyramid where you see this bottom foundation and it is just building sort of towards a towards a peak. But man, it's been an amazing uh, prayer to to dive into and so two weeks ago we looked at the first two parts to Paul's prayer. Uh, last week we looked at the third part to Paul's prayer and then now today we're going to look at the fourth and final part. And uh, look at then Paul's uh, declaration of praise, and so let's begin in verse sixteen. We're going to read through verse nineteen. Paul says in verse sixteen, as he's saying, "Man, I I bowed my knee, right? My I bowed my knees in humility and submission, in earnestness to the Father, from whom the whole heaven and uh, family in heaven and earth is named." Verse sixteen: that He would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We see the word that, as we've seen the last two weeks, in the second half of verse 19 shows us now for a final time Paul's building upon the previous part of his prayer. He's been praying in the, the previous one being that we'd be rooted and grounded in the agape love of God. What a great thing to pray for. We'd comprehend, we'd grasp it, we'd lay hold of, The greatness of this love with all the saints. And then that we would know experientially the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And so his prayer started with him asking the Father, according to his riches, his abundance of glory, what, to, to strengthen us. To strengthen us with might, his power through his spirit inwardly. He asked that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that Jesus truly would settle in and feel at home in the very deepest parts of our being. Then asked the Father to do an even deeper and more profound and powerful work of his love, as I just mentioned. And now in the fourth part, Paul's prayer here. Building upon what he just prayed, he prays that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That word filled, as we might guess, means to make full. To be or become generously supplied with something, but not with something, but with someone. Right? That we'd be filled with all the fullness of of God. And as I've shared the last couple of weeks, and it, it's worth repeating, that Paul prayed for this because God desires it and He wants to do it. Understand that there's not any part that's lacking on God's end. He's complete in himself. God's not looking out and going, "Look, I just feel a little empty." I need something else in my life. God didn't create humanity because there was something lacking in himself. He, would, he didn't create humanity because he's going, man, like you guys are going to complete me. No, he was complete already. He did desire that fellowship. He did, he did desire to have you and me. But you and I aren't this missing piece of God. But you and I do have a missing piece in us that's only filled by God we're not completing him we can't add anything to him that would make him more full but guys as we've been sealed by the holy spirit of God that that act of regeneration born again by the spirit of God dead but now alive formerly a child of wrath now a child of God we've already seen that Jesus, even with that being true of us, may not be completely at home in our hearts. We've considered that. This is something Paul prayed would be true of each one of us by faith. And, and every, that, that every bit of our hearts would be a welcoming place to Jesus where he's able to settle in truly be Lord of our hearts. And this final part of Paul's prayer really just reinforces what he's already been praying for, that that God would have every bit of us, that we would be filled with his fullness. I like what um, Bible commentator Warren Wearsby said about this. He, He wrote, it is said that nature abhors a vacuum, This explains why air or water will automatically flow into an empty place. The divine nature abhors a vacuum. God wants us to experience his fullness. Filled unto all the fullness of God is the more accurate translation. This means, uh, uh, sorry, the means of our fullness is the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. And the measure of our fullness is God himself, he says, Ephesians 4.11-16. It is tragic when Christians use the wrong measurements in examining their own spiritual lives. We like to measure ourselves by the weakest Christians that we know and then boast. Well, better than they are. Paul tells us that the measure is Christ, that we cannot boast about anything, nor should we. When we have reached his fullness, then we have reached the limit. In one sense, he says, the Christian is already made full in Christ Colossians 2 9 and 10 where uh, in that passage complete means uh, filled full positionally we are complete in him but practically we only are sorry we, we enjoy only the grace that we apprehend by faith the resources are there all we need to do is accept them and enjoy them and I, I thought about this, um, I thought about this prayer of Paul, and I just thought, it's kind of, in a sense, sad. It's sad that it would be a, Paul, a prayer that Paul would even need to, to pray, because to a certain extent it kind of reveals that we settle for lesser things, or we, we seek to be filled with other things. Things that crowd out our ability to really be able to be filled with God's fullness and be completely satisfied with Him alone. And I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about. There are things where um, it could be so easy. We we could read like the the account of Jesus with the Samaritan woman in John 4, and probably so easily identify to a certain degree with Jesus saying like you know the person who comes and draws from this well they will thirst again and it's it's like human nature for us to want to find our our filling our fullness in other things like this thing's going to complete me this is going to be the thing when I get that I'll be content and I'm going to be good I'm not going to need anything else, and it's this relationship, it's this status, it's this place in the company, it's this car, it's living in this neighborhood, like, this is the thing, and, and to find that there may be temporary, a feeling of completeness or fullness or like, man, this really did it, and how easily those things just wear off and, and are shown what they really are a well that we draw from that leaves us thirsty again and jesus is going just like he did to the samaritan woman right you comes to me and drinks i have living water you will never thirst again and to know that all the things that we could really desire spiritually eternally um, are only found in jesus jesus in whom all the fullness of the godhead dwelt bodily right you think about being filled with all the fullness of God and we go, Lord, I can easily settle for something lesser. And lesser doesn't mean sinful. That's the thing. That's the part for us that we have to really be mindful of. Because oftentimes what we're looking out for our caution sort of spiritual you know, radar, we're looking for like, okay, I just need to make sure that I'm not settling for sinful things. But sometimes it's just, Good things that are not the best things. Good things, but not the perfect thing, which is just Jesus. But what an amazing thing, right? There's a tragedy kind of behind this verse because it does reveal, it sort of exposes our natural tendencies, right? To kind of like want to be filled with something else. But at the same time, there's like this amazing encouragement. Paul's praying for something, knowing that that's human nature, knowing that we oftentimes try to be filled with other things that will never be the thing. Because only God has all the fullness. Only he completes, only he satisfies. And Paul's going, I'm praying this because even though we might drift into these sorts of tendencies, God's looking at us and he's going, come on back. Come on back to this place of simplicity, this place of, of right priority, right? That vertical priority. God, it's only you. I need to be filled with your fullness. And Paul's going, God, would you just do it? Like, yeah, we blow it. And yeah, we tried to be filled and we, we do settle but Lord, would you bring us, bring us back to that place? Get our, get, our, get our focus in the right place that we would be filled with you alone and to know here that God's going, I want you, I want you to be filled with my fullness. That's kind of like an amazing thing because you think about the vastness of God. You know, if you've read through some of uh, the Old Testament accounts when, like, uh, God was tasking uh, Solomon with building the temple, right? It wasn't going to be David. David wanted to build the temple really bad. And God's like, sorry, um, your son will, though, right? So David gets everything. He makes sure everything's in order. And Solomon goes like, God, how could you dwell How could you dwell in something made by hands? The heavens can't even contain you. Let alone this this building. So like you think about it on that level and it's like how, that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. God, us? How could we, how could we contain that? How could that be, even a possibility. And to know that God's going like, but I want to do it as much as possible. Like, Yeah, you're not going to be able to contain everything. But God wants you to have as much of him as possible. I like what um, William McDonald said about this in his uh, commentary. He said, the, the climax in this magnificent prayer is reached when Paul prays, that you may be filled, and he says literally it means to be unto, all the fullness of God. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in the Lord Jesus, Colossians 2.9. The more he dwells in our hearts by faith, the more we are filled unto all the fullness of God. We could never be filled with all the fullness of God, but it is a goal toward which we move. And yet, having explained this, we must say there are depths of meaning here we have not reached. As we handle the scriptures, we are aware aware that we are dealing with truths that are greater than our ability to understand or explain. He says, we can use illustrations to throw light on this verse. For example, the thimble dipped in the ocean is filled with water, but how little of the ocean is in the thimble. Yet, when we have said all this, the mystery remains, and we can only stand in awe at God's word and marvel at its infinity. Um, I just, I love that illustration of that, the thimble being dipped in the ocean. What a great illustration when we think of the vastness, the infinite nature and character of our God, all his fullness, and to know that even our thimble size, in comparison, right? is not despised by our God. He's not going like, well, look at how little I can fill. Like, that's just, forget it. He's going, I just want to keep, I want to fill as much. And I think even our faith, like, I think there's an exp- expansion that God does in us to be able to, to um, just experience more of him. Right? As we grow in the Lord, as we know Him more, as our lives are more and more surrendered to Him, and um, that God really uh, does that work of, of growing our capacity even for Him. Um, it's not, we're not despised by God. He looks upon us in all His love and desire for you and me. And God, through the prayer of Paul, is saying, I want you to be filled with all my fullness. And uh, what an amazing God we have. You know, really, it's mind-blowing. And, and just like Paul, should well within our hearts just praise and worship to the Lord, uh, awe of him. And we, we see this in Paul in his response to that prayer in verses 20 and 21. He says, verse 20, Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's praise here at the end of chapter three, it's, it's really the culmination of all the amazing truths that he's been writing about since the beginning of chapter two, right? Because if you remember at the end of chapter one, he, there was another prayer. So Paul's other prayer was sort of like the culmination of chapter one the things that he wrote about there. Now he's, he's following it up with another, uh, another prayer, another moment of praise, and he's, he's brought to this place of doxology, uh, of worship as he considered, really, if we, we think about the context here, that we were dead in sin and trespasses, right? But now we're alive in Christ. We were slaves to this world and Satan in our flesh, But now we've been seated positionally with Christ in the heavenlies. We were children of wrath, but but now we're children of God who have been saved by the amazing grace of our God who is rich in mercy and loves us greatly. Coming to this place of doxology as he considered the divide that existed between Jews and Gentiles, um, how Jesus broke down that wall of separation, abolished it, Put it to death, the enmity that was there, he put it to death that we would be made one new humanity, one people out of two, reconciling both Jew and Gentile to God through the cross, reconciling Jew and Gentile now together, now giving Jews and Gentiles equal access by one spirit to the Father. Brought to this place of doxology as he considered the mystery hidden in past ages that had been revealed to him and the other apostles and prophets, that believing Gentiles would become fellow heirs with believing Jews of the same body, partakers of God's promises in Christ through the gospel. Paul's conclusion to all of that was just worship, praise, recognizing in all these things Just how amazing God is. How amazing he is. To think that God, his follow-up to those prayers that he just prayed, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or can, can ask or think. Because we would never have been able to think about or ask that God would do all these amazing things. Because they all just seem way too much. Right? All of that, all the things that he's been writing about since the beginning of chapter 2. And all of it is just way beyond imagination, even. And yet, God did it. God's done it. But having said all that, you know, it is important for us to keep in mind that, that Paul's praise here is connected to his, his prayer and the things he's been writing about. There, there's a clear context here to Paul's declaration of praise that we do need to be uh, careful to not take out of context and distort. So one example would be we don't just take this verse and go, well, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. So I've been asking for God to give me a promotion at work but maybe because God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think, he's going to make me the president of the United States. Or, I was just praying for God to fix my car, but God, you can do exceedingly abundantly, he might just have a Lamborghini show up in my driveway. Like, well, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think, like, There is a context here, right? Like, that doesn't mean that God doesn't work in external sorts of ways. I I think for any of us who have been walking with the Lord for any, like, solid amount of time, we could say, God, you have shown up in my life, you have done things in ways that I didn't even ask you to. You did it. I couldn't have even imagined I'll use myself as an example. I couldn't have imagined at 20 years old even going like one day my family's gonna go plant a church somewhere and I'm gonna be a lead pastor. Like I had no aspirations for pastoral ministry at 20 years old. Like the the imagination for for what we might think of, what we might dream up, what we might think that God would do How many of us could say he's able he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. He's done those sorts of things. Not just inwardly but he's done them in relationships. He's done them in my finances. He's done them in in a multitude of different ways. I've seen God do things that only he could get the glory for. And it doesn't minimize this. Like, we, we still do the same thing. Praise you, God. All glory to you, both now and forever. Amen. God, you are so good. And you would do this in my life. But again, just the, the context here. The context is God's internal work, not our external prosperity it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about what's going on with us externally. But primarily, God is speaking here, and he's, he's wanting to do here things inwardly in our lives, right? Because um For me to be rooted and grounded in Christ and to be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width and depth and height and and length of the love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God, I don't know, that's pretty big. And we might say, I don't know how you're able to do that. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. And because of that, we, we might just limit him in some ways. Have you ever projected your shortcomings onto the Lord? Or you're like, well, I couldn't do it, so I don't know. I don't know that God's going to be able to do it. And maybe we don't say it in those words. Like, we don't go, well, I can't do it. God, you can't do it. But our attitude kind of shows that that's there. Like, well, I haven't been able. It hasn't happened yet. So obviously, God's not going to. He's not able to or. He doesn't want to do this thing. That we would be careful not to project our limitations onto the Lord. Why? Because Paul's saying here, God is able. He's able. Will He and won't He? Like that's not that's not what He's getting at. He's not. He's not like. Trying to like compartmentalize this. Well, like if it's in this category and if it's this thing and in this situation and this is going on, then he's able to do that or he will do it. He just wants us to be full of faith about this reality of God. He's able, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly. He, Paul's making up words even exceedingly abundantly. This is a super superlative. He's just like, the best, bestest. (laughs) Paul has no problems with that. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. You know, I think um, Paul's declaration of praise kind of speaks into the tendency of, of many of us, our default maybe to to minimize or overlook or, or neglect even the importance of the internal, the, the spiritual or the, the doubts, maybe the lack of faith that, that can exist in us internally or our timidity in asking God to work in us in certain ways, that, that more and more we would believe this about our God just like Paul did. How was God able to do these things? He's able to do all these things and and still doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think in so many different ways today according to the power that works in us. He's able to and is doing it because his power, the the power of the Holy Spirit, that means God himself is at work in you and me. So this, this deep internal spiritual work that God's wanting to do in us as we've been considering in this uh, this prayer of Paul right he's able to accomplish by his power did you know that God doesn't need your help isn't that great that God doesn't need your help he doesn't my need my help he's not going if you can just kind of meet me halfway I'll do it. I'll do exceedingly abundantly. He's like, you're not, that's the thing, we're not able. When I think about all these things, like strengthened with might internally, and Jesus feeling completely at home in my heart, and my roots going down deep into the love of Christ, and my life built upon the love of Christ, and comprehending the love of Christ and experientially that experience of Christ's love and and to be filled with all the fullness of God, I'm not able to make those things happen and neither are you. But Paul's going, he's able to do it. He's able to do it. The only limit then or hindrance to those internal spiritual things that God's wanting to accomplish is us. It's just us. God's power is not limited. But, but maybe, maybe we have at times limited. Maybe we've hindered the work of God and the work God wants to do in us. That, that is exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we could ask or think. Those things that He has in His mind for us. Maybe we at times have limited or, or hindered Him in His work by a lack of us being yielded to the effective and powerful work of His Spirit in our lives. But what's the goal, right? Because this should fill us with hopefulness. This should give us greater confidence in our. Prayer life and how we come to the Lord. Um, Paul already talked about this access with confidence and boldness. Like, how is this? Like, if we're not being bolstered by this in some way, like, let let's like take a moment. Like, God, you're you're giving me these sorts of things. You're these this declaration of praise is meant to like reinforce my faith in your ability, not my ability your ability, God, your power at work in me, your desire to do more than I could ask or think, to your glory. But the the goal of this really is here, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Not only does our God want Christ Jesus to be glorified in the the lives of each of us, his saints individually, he's looking at the church collectively, corporately, throughout the world, and wanting all these things that Paul has just been talking about, just been praying for, to be true of us, true of Jesus' church, right? Because when these things Paul has been talking about and praying for are true, we're walking in them, there's going to be an incredible amount of glory that will be brought to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Glory that he's already been receiving for almost 2,000 years through his church. But glory that's going to be, continue to be given to his church now until he comes to rapture his church. But then also forever and ever throughout all of eternity. And I like what... Um, John Stott said about this doxology of uh, Paul here, this declaration of praise. He wrote, God's ability to answer prayer is forcefully stated by the apostle in a composite expression of seven stages. Number one, he is able to do or work for he is neither idle nor inactive nor dead. Number two, he is able to do what we ask For he hears and answers prayer. Number three, he is able to do what we ask uh, or think. For he reads our thoughts. And sometimes we imagine things for which we dare not and therefore do not ask. Number four, he is able to do all that we ask or think. For he knows it all and can perform it all. Number five, he is able to do more than, hyper, beyond in the Greek. All that we ask or think for his expectations are higher than ours. Number six, he is able to do much more or more abundantly, it's the word parisos, than all that we ask or think, for he does not give his grace by calculated measure. And number seven, he is able to do very much more, far more abundantly than all we ask or think, for he is a God of superabundance. This adverb, I'm going to probably butcher it, huperperisu is one of Paul's coined super superlatives. It states simply that there are no limits to what God can do. He went on to say, The infinite ability of God to work beyond our prayers, thoughts, and dreams is by the power at work within us. Within us individually, Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith, And within us as a people who are the dwelling place of God by his spirit. It is the power of the resurrection. The power which raised Christ from the dead. Enthroned him in the heavenlies. And then raised and enthroned us there with him. That is the power which is at work within the Christian and the church. Paul's prayer relates to the fulfillment of his vision for God's new society of love. He asks... That its members may be strengthened to love and to know the love of Christ, though this surpasses knowledge. But then he turns from the love of God, past knowing, to the power of God, past imagining, from limitless love to limitless power. For he is convinced, he says, as we must be, that only divine power can generate divine love in the divine society. To add anything more would be inappropriate, except the doxology. To him be glory, Paul exclaims, to this God of resurrection power who alone can make the dream come true. The power comes from him, the glory must go to him. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus together, in the body and in the head, in the bride and in the bridegroom, in the community of peace and in the peacemaker. To all generations in history, he says, forever and ever in eternity, amen. Paul ended this heavily doctrinal section of his letter with this astounding prayer, this overwhelming praise and what a great closing response to just say amen, so be it, so be it. Again, Paul prayed for these things because our God desires to do them. And this doxology, this declaration of praise, is really just the right response to these truths. It's truths that are rooted in the truth of our God, his desire, his ability, his power, his glory, both now and forever. We're going to move next week from this heavily doctrinal section that we're closing to now this. A section where we're going to look at a lot of application or the conduct of the church as we get into chapter four. But I'm going to have the worship team come back up. You know, maybe this morning for some of us, just to be reminded as we consider the, the sort of the the fullness of Paul's prayer there in verses 16 through 19. Um, that maybe even as we we look at that last part, just that fourth part of Paul's prayer, that we would this morning just recognize in us. If there's areas for us where maybe we've been settling for. Um, for lesser things, or seeking to be filled by other things that crowd out our ability to really be able to be filled with God's fullness, um, to just lay those things down before the Lord. Because if you've tasted it in the scene that the Lord is good, uh, truly God wants to ruin your taste for anything else. And... Um, and that's a good place to be in. It's a really good place to be in. But I think on the other hand of that, not just, not just a challenging word, but just an encouragement that, that this morning God's going, you know all these things that Paul prayed for? They weren't just, he didn't pray him just to pray him. That God's going, I want to do them. I want to do these things in you. And not only do I want to do them, I am able do them i'm able to i'm able to you know how i'm able to because i have all the power i have all the power to to bring it to fruition i have all the power to work in you in all the ways that only i can and for us to be filled with faith to be filled with confidence of who our god is because i see paul as a very confident man confident in his god not confident in himself but very confident about his God. And what does it look like when people are confident about their God? What does it look like when when people are yielded to their God? What does it look like when God's doing these things in the lives of his people, in the life of his church? Glory to him. Glory to him. People are gonna see. People are gonna go, what in the world is going on in your life? And all you're going to be able to say is, my God was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I cast or think. It's his power. He's doing it. And we just give him all the glory. How do we let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven? I think this is a great starting place, right? Because all will know that we're disciples of Jesus by the love that we have for one another. And so much of this prayer is focused on the love of Christ. So God, do that work of your love. I'm not able to. You're not. We know what we can come up with. We know what kind of love we can come up with. But God, you're able to do far more. Far more than ever I ever could. And so God, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord God, what an amazing Father, you are, Lord, what an amazing family we get to be a part of as your people, your sons and daughters, Lord, what an amazing blessing to be a part of your church, the big C in the world, but Lord, also a part of a local fellowship of believers, and God, as your people this morning, Lord, we just, we bow our hearts, God, in submission To you lord in humility before you god and all these things that paul's been praying lord we pray for ourselves and for others god would you do it lord you took us from being dead in sin and you've made us alive lord you took us from a place of being slaves to being seated in the heavenlies positionally Lord, you took us from a place of being a child of wrath to making us children of God. Lord, there is no end to what you could do. There's no greater display, Lord, as we've been considering, God, of just how great your grace and love and mercy is. You do all these things for us and in us, Lord, that all the glory would be to you both now and forever. Lord, this morning that our hearts would just be filled with praise towards you, God. A greater yielding of ourselves to you, God. That truly you would cause us to be filled with all the fullness of yourself. God, if any bit of other things, Lord, have crowded out our ability to be filled with your fullness. As much as we can move in that direction, God. Lord, we would lay those things down at your feet. Lord, we give those things the, the boot in our hearts. God, you meet us where we're at today. Lord, you give us even greater confidence in you. Lord, that others would be drawn to you, Lord, as they just see your work in our lives, Lord, your love, God, just invading every bit of us. As our brother Jim prayed for this morning, Lord, your love just splashing forth from us, God that filling of your love, God, that would just not be contained. That would impact and influence all those around us. God, we desire that. But if you're here this morning, you've not put your faith in Jesus, you have an opportunity here this morning to just make that decision for Christ and to open your heart to his love, to to receive that for yourself, to know what it is to be forgiven of your sins and trespasses. That anybody this morning that you would go, that's me. I want I want to be saved. I want the life of Jesus in in me. I want the power of God at work in me. Yeah, I see you. Anybody else that you're going, that's that's me today. I need that. God, I desire your work. Lord, I pray for this sister who raised her hand, Lord thank you for that Lord I thank you for her heart to just make that acknowledgement and confession this morning God I pray that Lord you would meet her where she's at I encourage you just in your own heart there's not like some special recipe of prayer to pray but really just an acknowledgement to say Jesus I'm a sinner Jesus I believe you're my savior so save me Jesus forgive me of my sins Come into my life. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I I turn away from it. And I turn to you by faith. Jesus, be my Savior, my Lord, my God, my friend. Help me to live for you, Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. Jesus, I give my heart to you today. Lord, we thank you for this decision for you, God. We just think about your greatness, your goodness, Lord, each of us, Lord. We just would celebrate that decision, Lord. We, we are thankful, Lord. Yeah. God, we, we praise you for who you are. Lord, continue, Lord. The one who's able to do, Lord, continue it. We give you all the glory, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen.